She is the former J.P. Morgan Chase Vice President. All right, certified executive coach, master sales, master businesswoman, master life coach, who left corporate America to live her dream of helping others live their dreams. She is the best-selling author of multiple books. Her most recent book, Passion, Purpose, and Profit, all right, debuted at number one in five categories on Amazon and has been featured in over 100 magazines. Ladies Home Journal, Red Book, Essence Magazine, of which one of our speakers for Destiny Empowerment Seminar is the chief editor uh, of, of uh, Essence, uh, excuse me, Black Enterprise, and online publication, Huffington Post, CareerBuilder.com, TodaySHow.com, worldwide speaker. Uh, I want you all to praise God and welcome to the stage, Miss Danielle Winningham. Come on and say man for her as she comes. Come on, you can do better than that lighthouse. Praise God till she gets to this place. Amen. Amen. Wow. That's a, a lot of accomplishments um, in such a short time. Now, you, you worked at Chase. You still got any connections there? Uh, <laughs> I do, a lot. Worked at Chase almost 16 years. 16 years. Yeah. Well, Vice president seems like a, a good salary position. I mean, um, you know, the only thing higher than vice is no vice. Um, <laughs> it's the head person. I mean, everybody fights in corporate America to get to the top of the ladder. Why in the world would you get all the way to the top and walk away? So long story short, um, sometimes God will make things easy for you for you to get what you need. And then when your grace is over in a certain place, it becomes difficult. Okay, and wait a so, minute, hold on. I do this all the time, wait a minute. <laughs> See, normally they wait till we get 10 minutes in to say something. Did y'all hear what she just said? See, I could just preach 35,000 minutes on what she just said of what you're supposed to do when your grace is over for a place. Oh God. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, if, if, if we got people watching us online and people in this room who are wondering why is it so difficult where I am, is it possible that their grace for the place has run out? I'm sorry, but I just no, want to no, stop no, here. No, no, that's okay. Time. We're going to do oh, this man. together, Pastor Keon. Point okay. number one, grace for the place. Whenever your grace for the place has worn out, it's time for you to move on. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. And so... Um, I found it getting harder and harder, even with a great salary, even with great bonuses, it, something wasn't right. Sometimes you just get that feeling in your spirit that you're missing something. Any of y'all ever feel that? Like you're missing something. A lot of times as women, we call it depression, but it's not really that. It's that you know you're not living up to what God puts you here to do. You know you're not living up to the standard in which you could be living and so it gets into your spirit and it starts to make you sick. It starts to make you really sick. And so I started feeling as if I was missing a lot. And I, and I was, I was missing a lot financially, even though the money was coming in, I was missing a lot. I, I just was missing stuff. And I just felt like it had to be more. I mean, just say for instance, I'm a single man, I'm in the market looking for a girl who got a good job, just say she the vice president at Chase, how much they make? <laughs> minimum six figures, minimum. It's a lot of vice presidents at Chase depending on your department, but minimum, that was what we were taught though, Pastor Keon. We were okay. taught, go out, climb the ranks, get a good job, that's what we were taught. So when I started talking to my mom about leaving, she said, child, you crazy? And I was like, no, I, I think I can do something different. So, so what, did all, what all did you lose by leaving Chase? What did all you give up? I, you know what, to be honest, the, the story is so amazing, and it's not just my story. It could be your story, too, because God, if God can do it for me, if he can do it for Oprah, he, he can do it for you, too. It, it really was a faith walk, and, and it was one day, and, and uh, I was going to speak at an event that Portia was actually hosting, um, and I had this master plan of leaving my job in April, of 2017, listen to this, 
And I heard the Holy Spirit say, take the date off of it. Let me work on it. Take the date off of it. And so I surrendered. I said, your time, not mine. Your plan, not mine. And by March of 2015, I was gone. And, and was, matter of fact, it have, I, I can't even put a number behind how many times my salary I'm earning right now in a little over a year. But I mean, but see, that, that sounds easy after the fact that you've done it. You know, women are, are grossly underpaid in relation to men. So I'm just trying to help them through you. How, you, you climb high, most women in the world don't make six figures, okay? Most men in the world don't make multiple six figures. You get to a place, you shatter a glass ceiling, you make multiple six figures, you're set financially, and you walk away from it. Men are over, grossly overpaid for the same job that you did, okay? So why would you leave that money? What, what would you say to a woman in here says, hey, I make $300,000 a year, but God is telling, because I don't think I would have heard God um, I'm just being honest, so y'all can laugh at me all you want. If, if I'm making a half a million dollars a year, God's going to have to like kind of come down, from, the, the sky's going to have to crack like glass. The dead in Christ are going to have to rise, and then those of us who are alive have to be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. So you walked away from the purpose, the reason for most of us. How did you do that? But I walked away from somebody else's purpose. See, it didn't matter how much money I made at that job. My name was never going to be on the masthead, never going to be on the letterhead, never going to be on the company dossier, never going to be over the doors. That I couldn't leave it to my children. That was a job, not a legacy. That was a job, not a legacy. It's now, y'all need to hear what she just said. Because there are too many people trying to get a job. We're talking about legacy, something that you, the Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And maybe some of y'all don't have a man in the house, so just take that wise man out and just add this wise woman leaves an inheritance for his children. But, but okay, well then why are men being paid more than women? So this is my thing. And I, I coach thousands of women all over the world. We have a problem with asking. I, I tell my clients, your asker is broke. And so we think, this is what we think now. We think that if we do a good job and we work really hard and we come in early and, and we, catch, we pick up all the stuff that's bobbling around, somebody's gonna see us working hard and compensate us accordingly. Don't we think that, right? Right? No, they're not. No. You've gotta open your mouth and you've got to ask. You even do it with your men. I, I'm not a relationship expert. I was just married for 16 years, so I'm going to talk to you for a minute. You think the man's supposed to know what you want for your birthday and get mad at him when it don't come, <laughs> right? So you've got to open your mouth and ask. Nobody's a mind reader. Nobody knows that you're running around training this person and that person because you've not articulated to your management team that you're qualified for that job. You don't ask for an increase. You don't negotiate your, your raise going through the door. You say, well, when I get through the door and they see what a good job I'm doing, they're going to give me an increase. No, they're not. Open your mouth. Three letters, A-S-K. Can y'all say it for me? Ask. Ask. That is, 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 is as complex as that and as simple as that. Because the reason we don't ask is because we're afraid of rejection, right? We're afraid somebody's gonna tell us no, but if you never ask, the answer is always if you don't open your mouth and ask. So you've gotta ask, you do. How do we, how do we negotiate when, if I'm sure to make it that high, you have to negotiate several salary changes and positions. Kind of give us some clues and cues on that language. What does that language sound like? Number one, you have to keep track of what you do. Keep track. What are you working on? What are the projects? 
What were the savings? What were the sales results? How many times did you save a project or how many times did you make the sales goals? How many people did you train? We do all of that work and we don't quantify it. We don't put numbers behind it. As a matter of fact, we're pretty bad at putting numbers behind stuff anyway, other than the mall. We're good at putting numbers behind the mall. But it, when it comes to the numbers that it takes to make us successful, if we're in business, we struggle with profit plans. If we're in business, we struggle with sales goals. We've got to stop being afraid of the numbers that are going to close the wage gap for us, whether we're in business or whether we're in corporate America. You talk about making money and not making excuses. You, you, you can't make both. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. You, you can't be tall and short. You, you can't do it. You, can't, you just can't do it. I mean, you, you have to choose. You're either going to wake up with a plan to generate revenue, right? Or you're not. And a lot of us claim we're business people, but we're really just busy being busy. So we're not, we're not business people, we're, we're just not. busy people. If you don't have a profit plan, if you don't have sales goals, if you don't have a customer service plan, if you don't have a mission statement, you're not a business person. You're just running around being busy. My wife and I had this conversation the other day, and my wife is, she's a businesswoman. I mean, she, she does a lot. You know, she does a lot. She makes enough money um, to live without me. That, that's the truth. And, and I tell the story to our church all the time um, that people say she married me for money. That's not true. I married her for money um, <laughs> because I, I, I wanted to have somebody who knew how to make it and appreciate it so that because I knew I was going to make it and I didn't want anybody who needed it. Okay. And, and I'm trying to show you ladies how to make yourself more attractive. If you ever watch TV, money makes people look good that don't... <clears throat> you saying something, keep, I'm, I'm, keep I am you, you own it. See, they gonna catch I, up. I see, I see some of y'all men crush Wednesdays that if they worked at Jack in the Box, you wouldn't have no crush on them. You don't gotta say man. You can look at me like that. I know you'd be like, ooh, he fine. No, he ain't. Like, he burnt, <laughs> he, 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 it's the, money, money makes you attractive. And I'm just not talking about pretty. It makes people and things attracted to you. Okay? So, so, so the, the purpose for being here is that there is this generation of female, and it may not be you, but it's somebody you know, that the goal is to be taken care of. Come on, y'all. Just don't. It may, and I, but you gotta, you know, you gotta trifling niece or something like that. It's like that. The, the goal is to be taken care of, so they'll do things like have babies because they think it's child support attached to it. And 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 so then they'll walk around with red bottoms and purses, living off of child support. But when the baby get 18, now you got your baby's college fund on your wrist. And now you can't send the baby to college because you lived off of the child's support. And then you get to a certain age and you have no skills and you don't know how to do anything and you get to a, per a place in life and now you got to live marginally. I'm trying to bring, I'm trying to break that curse, especially in the African-American woman that we stop wearing our future on our wrists and stop wearing our future in our head and stop wearing our future on our eyelashes and I want you to be a boss. I want you to be a woman who makes moves. I want a man to be nervous by the amount of funds you bring in the house. I want him to be intimidated. I want him to be scared. I want him, listen, when you make money, they don't tell you to shut up as fast. Uh-huh. When, when you bring something to the table, they want to know your opinion. Every woman slap another woman and say, bring something to the table, bring something to the table. You said you have to determine, women have to determine what they are really afraid of. That really, that really registered to me. That there are a lot of people who are scared and cannot identify the source of the fear. 
help us, help them, help us to identify what are the steps we need to go through to find out what we're afraid of. So one thing I always tell people, and even if you can't identify what it is that necessarily you're afraid of, okay, you just know the fear is there, but you have to prioritize your fear. And see, me personally, I'm more afraid of being broke. I, I'm going to repeat that. I'm more afraid of not being able to send my kids to college. I'm more afraid of people come pulling up with a tow truck to get my car. I'm more afraid of getting put out of my house. And so at the point where my fear is driven by the right thing, I can overcome whatever it is inside of me that's telling me no because I don't have a choice. And I don't understand how we keep choosing to allow fear to claim our destiny. I don't get it. Now listen, it was me for a long time. For 40 years, fear kept me stuck. I felt like that. But at some point, I had to wake up. And there's too many tools nowadays, too many people. You got Pastor Keon, and he's telling you, wake up, and that everybody is able to do something. And that's how intentional God is, because he gave us all a gift. What are you doing with it? Because he really gave you a blank check. And he really gave you the pen, too. And now all you really got to do is fill it out. And you're working hard already. See, that's the thing. As I look across here, it's probably not a lazy person in here. You're getting up early. You're going to a job somewhere. You're cooking for your kids. You're ripping and running errands. So it's not about the work. You're doing the work. Can you work for yourself? Can you work for your dream? Can you work for your purpose? Can you work for your destiny? It's the difference. Can you help? And this is a hard thing to tell people that working for yourself is harder than working for somebody else. By that I mean you can go to a job and you can get there at nine, you can clock out at five, you can go home. When you work for you, sometimes it's 24 hours a day, sometimes it's seven days a week, sometimes you have to work harder at achieving your dream, but here's the flip side. When you work for somebody else, you have to work hard all the time. When you work for you, you only have to work hard for a season. That's, that's, the, that's the difference. Do you hear what I'm telling you? When you work for you, you have to work hard for a season. And then the work that you put in in a season pays dividends. And this is, then now your money makes money. When you have a job, you're never in a position. And, and it just, and I don't, wanna, I, I don't wanna get too far from that because it's my passion. This is really my passion, y'all, because I am a living testimony of a person who literally started with nothing. I didn't, I didn't have a trust fund. I, I, my mother didn't give me uh, and say, you know, here's $1,000 to start a business. When I went to college, uh, the church raised the offering for me. My mother didn't give me anything to, to, to start a college fund with. The church raised an offering because I was a preacher and they gave me some money and I had to live off of that and I had to get jobs. Y'all wouldn't even understand the kind of jobs I work. I worked at a, a steel factory. I got hit with one piece of steel and quit. They, were, they got the wrong somebody. That steel got up in my shirt and I felt that burn. I said, the Lord ain't in this. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I work, I put, I put roofs on a house in the summertime, didn't I? I worked for a roofing company for three months. When I seen how black my skin was, I said, the Lord ain't in this. I realized that I was working hard for somebody else. And, and this is what happens in, 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 in modern society, that we find ourselves working hard and we don't recognize that the benefactors of our hard work are the families of the people who are at home sleeping while you're working. And you're afraid to step out and start your own business. But here's the truth. You ought to be afraid that when you wake up, they would have outsourced your job to another country or perhaps given your job to a younger version of you. What she's saying is, is you have to decide what you are afraid of, and we're afraid of the wrong stuff. And you know, these jobs, just to be honest with you, they're not loyal. They're not. These jobs are not loyal. And so you say you stay at your job because of security, but let me tell you, especially the oil industry here in Houston, they, they posted record profits quarter after quarter after quarter. The first quarter, they posted a loss. They laid off almost 3,000 people 
the first quarter. So a job, you have no continuity at a job. If they want to let you go tomorrow, because Texas is a right to work state, they, they, can, they can say, we don't like your shoes. You got to go home. We're through with you. And I've seen it happen to people after 30 years, 25 years, and they had their entire stake hung at that job. So at least keep you, at least keep you something in the hole so that you know if they let you go tomorrow that you didn't hang all of your hopes and dreams on a job where you don't control your employment. It's a big difference. Amen. So you worked in corporate America, male dominated. How was that? It's, it's, the same as, it's the same as the world. We found that we weren't, I found after a while, I wasn't asking. People were getting promotions around me. People were getting raises and increases around me. And at a point, I just got tired. And I said, wait a minute, if I don't speak up for me, who's going to speak up for me? And it's the same out in the world. I mean, if we don't ask for, even as entrepreneurs, most women business owners underprice because we tie the cost of our goods to our own self-worth. What I think in my head, my self-esteem, my insecurities, it goes on that price tag. So until we're able to disassociate the fact that what I do, my time, my energy, my effort, my product is worth this price, and I'm not, for, I'm not for up for negotiations. You're either gonna pay it or you don't want it. Leave it there if you don't want it. And if you don't want it, somebody else does. I don't have to negotiate with you about my business cost. I don't. I don't. Seems like y'all just need to uh, fill out job, job applications the way you date. That's what it sounds like to me. Just seems like, seem like you, you'll tell a man, right? Uh, if you don't value me, then you can't have me, right? Would you, amen, ladies? If they don't value you, you won't date them, right? So it seems like you got to have that same um, uh, perception when you go into the because really, when you get a job, you're actually on a date because it ain't going to last long. No, the days of having a job for 30 years are over. You're not getting a gold watch. Amen, somebody. When you get your pension, it's coming from four sources. <laughs> You're going to have four 401ks, you're going to have three IRAs, you're going, have, you're going to have Social Security coming from different places. How many of y'all have worked more than one job this year? Let me see your hand. More than one job in the last five years. More than one job in the last 10 years. Y'all got jobs? The rest of y'all? <laughs> Anybody working at all? Let me see your hand if you got a job. Amen. Praise God. Okay. All right, because some people just wasn't raising their hand at all. We was going to have a job fair in the name of Jesus right here. Anybody hiring? <laughs> you hiring? You hiring? What you hiring for? A stylist. All right, who do hair in here and looking for a job? Come here, young lady in the uh, green sweater. Come here. Come here. Come here. Let me show you how we do this real quick. That's what we're going to do. Now, see, somebody else in here do hair, but they ain't have enough courage to raise a hand. And what I want you to do is I want you to meet this young lady. And if you qualify, I want you to represent well. I want you to show up to work every day. I want you to do the best you can. I want you to be an asset to that shop. You're going to get a job. Go right there. So make sure you get a name. You got her? Now see, that's what I'm talking about. Come on, give God some praise in this place today. Now she ain't got to go on ZipRecruiter.com and all that kind of stuff trying to find nobody. And I'd rather bless somebody in the house of God anyway. I keep telling you, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaking together, running over, and God will have men to give to your bosom. I wish I had somebody say, God, pick me, pick me, pick me. I'll do the job. I'll be faithful. I'll show up to work. If they treat me bad, I'll still be humble. Okay? I ain't hiring right now, but if I was, I'd hire you. But I'm full right now. <laughs> hey, man, I'm full. I, I, I think... I think that women are grossly undervalued. But I don't think it's an outside job only. 
You know, I, I, I really, and this was me, and this was my story, so I'm definitely not pointing fingers. I had to figure these things out. I was so busy, a lot of the times, blaming the enemy that I couldn't blame the inner me. I was hating on myself, right? I was my biggest hater. I was my biggest downer. It was the stuff that I was saying to myself that was keeping me held back. And it was, it was holding up my self-worth. And what I had to come to realize that hair or no hair, thin or, or a little bit extra, short or tall, I was put here for a reason. And I'm valuable because the word says I'm valuable. And if I don't see it myself, how can I expect anybody else to value me more than I value me? And so we have to make sure that we're talking good to ourselves. You want people to talk good to you? Talk good to yourself. You want people to pay you? Then guess what? Don't sell yourself short. Because if you sell yourself short and the world buy you short, guess what? They bought you short because you put a short price tag on you. I had to figure it out, guys. I, I had to figure it out. I didn't have anybody to tell me that you need to readjust your own worth. Oh, you just helped. And that whatever price tag you put on you, you're worth it. Because you say so. Listen, she just helped me. Now listen, you just helped me. Oh Lord, you just helped me. I have I went into the store one day and it was a it was a shirt that I wanted and the price was high. They messed around and put the wrong price tag on it. So I thought that this was the Lord because ain't nowhere in the world this shirt ought to have this price tag on it. But you know what? They had to sell me the shirt for the price they put on it. Even though the shirt was worth more, they sold it short. I'm wondering, have you put the wrong price on your head? And are people buying you for the price you set? That's right. And then when they get you, you want to try to renegotiate That's right. and say, I'm worth more than that. You should have put the right price out in the beginning so that they would have had to pay what you were worth. You can't let me buy you cheap and then try to make me maintain you. I want every woman in here to slap yourself and say, stop selling yourself cheap. If you got to stay single, stay single. If you got to stay by yourself, stay by yourself. If you got to live with your mama, y'all not listening with me, live with your mama, but stop selling yourself cheap for expensive stuff. Because now you have sold yourself for something you can't afford on your own. And now you walk around looking like a million dollars with no money in the thousand dollar purse. And I want to help you women. Listen, if you're going to use your skills, if you're going to use your skills, stop using it for stuff and get some of these bills paid. Now let me just help you out. Oh no, this is supposed to be for you. No, go ahead. This is supposed to be for you. I asked no, you now. See, because you're using your skills and you're using all of your time and your energy and your money and your virtue. Now you got red shoes and a Louis Vuitton purse and you don't have lights and no food in the refrigerator. If you're going to use your skills, at least have your refrigerator full, gas in your tank, car. Come on, y'all. If you're going to use it, use it right. I know some folk don't agree with that, and I'm not telling you, you know, to sell yourself short, but if you're going to do it anyway, if you're going to do it anyway, get a 401k. I was talking to a friend the other day, said she, she, she broke up in a relationship, and, and what she got out of the relationship was a store. Because her mama told her, never leave a relationship without getting something. Oh, Lord, I can just stay right there all day long because some of y'all been in a relationship so long and you were there two, three years and got nothing out of it. You ought not spend three years in any place and not walk away with some proof.
So, you know, Pastor Keon. I'm sorry, I just. That's okay. It's a hot topic. But I want to I wanna bring up, too, that breakups are not the only time that we lose relationships, right? Uh -oh. So uh -oh. we've got to make sure we have something to fall back on. What if somebody in the relationship loses a job? It happens all the time. What if somebody in the relationship, heaven forbid, gets sick? It happens all the time. So when we don't put ourselves in a position where we can generate revenue and get, see, you're already doing the work. You're already planning 16 people's family reunion. <laughs> you're already doing half for 150 people. See, you're already doing the work. You're, you're already uh, the relationship uh, coach because you got a thousand girlfriends calling you for relationship advice. You, you're everybody's parenting coach. But see, you won't put a name on it. You it won't go get a business license. You won't go get a business bank account. And so you continue to do this work and you're just not getting paid for it. But like Pastor Keon say, don't try to get paid for it in hindsight. Because once you done planned my family reunion, I, I'm not fooling with you no more. I got what I needed. Let me tell you, Donnie, I, I got a, a spiritual son that came up to me and he pastors a church. He's probably listening right now. He's pastoring a church and the church wasn't able to pay him, right? And I've been there. I, I worked the first year as a pastor for free. My first salary was $50 after a year and I thought I was a man when they raised me to 250 a week. My goal was to make $40,000 a year and I thought if I made $40,000 a year, I was gonna be rich and the Lord was gonna take me from there. I started at 21 years old. And, and he was talking to me about going into full-time ministry. And he, I said, well, how do you supplement the income? He says, I do websites. I said, websites are tedious. If you anybody know anything about web design, it takes forever to do. And chances are, after you do the website, the person you did it for is not going to be happy with it. So you're going to have to do revisions because most people who want a website done, and I'm just helping all of you business people out here, most people who want a website done, they think that the web designer is going to design the website and have the content. Baby, the content is your responsibility. Amen, somebody. All I'm supposed to be doing is graphics. You're supposed to tell me the vision statement, the mission statement, what goes on the first page, what pictures. Are, you're supposed to give me all of that. Okay, this is for people who want a website. But he said he did websites. And, and I said, now I know the problem. Now I know the problem. You've done five websites this week, which is why you're cramming to do your sermon on Saturday when what you should have done is started a website company and let and outsource the work to some interns and paid them $10 an hour. Oh, y'all not listening to me today. And then made the other $30 an hour and now you could focus on the ministry. What she's actually saying is you're already running a business. You just haven't DBA'd it. You have an LLC'd it. You're already doing everybody's birthdays and bar mitzvahs. Now you just need to go start a, a company and make them pay you. And another thing, just because you related to them don't mean you're supposed to do it for free. See, you so, you're too nice to be rich because you want to help everybody and you want to do it out of the kindness of your heart. I'll pray for you out of the kindness of my heart, but for my goods and services, you're going to have to pay me out of the kindness of your pocket. Be generous. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, freely you give. Hallelujah. I know my Bible. So you, you, you got to put, but see, it's, it's, it's this. Most people don't mind doing the physical work. What they struggle is the mental work. But, but you hit on something right there because none of this that I do, I do by myself. I have a team of people out there right now tweeting and posting and, and checking this and checking that. And... That is how you truly become great. See, you identify what you're great at. You great at baking cakes. Stay in the kitchen. Don't be over there trying to fix your own website. <laughs> Go find somebody whose greatness is websites. See, that's why you have a body. And the same way Pastor Keon just connected two needs. You know, the amazing thing about God and just how intentional he is, you have everything you need to be successful. You just haven't recognized it. Start looking. Start asking questions. Girl, what you know about websites? Ooh, I love web, website design. That's your new web designer. Bring people with you on this journey. You're not going to go by yourself. The more I make, the bigger my team gets. Period. Period.
period. Why? Because I'm going to make more money when I stay in my zone of greatness than when I step outside trying to save two or three dollars doing my own business cards and they look a mess when I'm handing them out. A mess. A mess. Look like it was printed on a dot matrix printer. <laughs> look like my children drew them with crayons. It look a mess. So you've got to stop. Stop overthinking and reach out to the people that can help you be great. The greatness is already in you. What's your greatness? What help do you need? And who can help you? And don't be afraid to what I say earlier, ASK. You gotta ask. But we wanna run around with capes on like we super women. I put my cape up about four years ago. Put it in a dry cleaner, never went back and got it. I started bringing on people. At one point I had hired a cook. I got somebody to redo, redo my house. You have to say, that's not my gift. Whose gift is it? And come get it. Cause it's yours, it's not mine. And the more you do that and partner, the less stress you'll have in your life, number one, as a woman. I got one of my helpmates in the crowd tonight. Hey, boo, hey, tequila. Pick up my kids, drop kids off, pick up food, food off at my house because that's what she can do for me. And then what I can help her with, I help her with. Instead of trying to carry it all myself because my back, was hurting. How many of y'all back hurt? My back was hurting. So I had to start saying, how can we carry this as a community? How can we carry this as a group, right? So that we can all get to where we need to go. You can't get there by yourself. You have to make sure you bring people on board to yeah. help with the dream. We learned this in our staff meeting today, lead to you. And since most women do things for a reaction. You're happy when the person you did it for is pleased, right? You'll cook the food, and if they don't say, oh, this was good, then you feel like they didn't like it. They just may be rude. Doesn't mean the food is not good. But a lot of women connect the worth or the value of themselves for what they did by reaction. And so most women won't admit it, but they like all of the roads coming to them. Yeah, I know you say no. They like the roads coming to them because I feel good when I am patted on the back or I am appreciated for what I did. And since you are emotionally driven, the response means a lot to you. But the other side of that is, is that you're going to be so overloaded that you won't be able to accept compliments. You're going to be so overloaded that you're not going to hear the, you're not going to hear what's said. You're going to actually hear what you thought because you're fatigued. And so now you are circumventing your own process by trying to be everybody's everything. You're going to have to learn what you are good at and leave the rest of somebody else. If you cannot cook, then be the best orderer in the world. Just say, baby, I can't cook, but I can make the devil out of some reservations. So I feel a Holy Ghost right okay. there. And just make sure them reservations are on time, every time. You see what I'm saying? My wife, we are able to do what we do because we have an extraordinary support system. I got three sisters. I got a mother. I got a mother-in-law. I got, we got all of these people who help us. And so people, but, but here's the deal. You got to make sure that the people you are connected to have the same value system as you. Is that right? So tell us about that because you talked about your children and, and all these other things. I mean, what would you tell the 25-year-old version of yourself, if you had today's knowledge? Oh, that's, that's an amazing question. First, you hit upon something you said, we're trying to be busy, we're busy being everything for everyone else. I would tell the 25-year-old version of myself, always make sure that in all you're being for everybody else, you be something for you. Put you on the list. 
Now, when you have children, you may not put yourself first. You may have a husband. He may come first. But put yourself on the list. We're neglecting to even put ourselves on the list. We go to bed and haven't done anything for ourselves, not just ourselves, but our dream. I'm not talking about going to get your hair done. I'm not talking about going to the nail shop. I'm talking about your purpose, your destiny, your dreams, that thing you said you wanted to do, write that book, start that business. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, because you're too busy working on his dream and her dream and they dream and his. Where's your dream? It's relegated to the bottom of the trash pile. Go get your dream and put your dream back on the list. So I would tell my 25-year-old self that, if nothing else, that in all I do, and I'll give you an example. I have twins that just went to college. Praise God, hallelujah. And my best friend of 20 years literally did everything. They, they knew not to call me, Pastor Keon. Don't call me for nothing. Talk to your Auntie Martha. Talk to your Auntie Martha. She got the stuff for their dorm rooms, helped them with the application, everything that they needed to get ready to go. I did not feel bad about it because mommy can pay cash for your, hello? I wrote the checks. I felt good writing checks, paying cash. You ain't got no student loans. And that's what we do, we feel guilty. I feel guilty because I can't take you shopping. You can go shopping, boo. I did that. My job is over. Here's the card. Y'all go get what you need. So we've got we've to reprioritize <laughs> our thinking about what's important. To me, it was more important that they walk away from four-year universities with no student loans than it was for me to go shopping with them. We've been shopping all our life. Your Auntie Martha got you going with her. Bye, boo. I think you all should listen to that. I think she's saying wisdom. I, I, I said this to you all some time ago. I think that a lot of women parent out of their pain. That they're always trying to give their children what they never got. But here's the thing. Nobody gave it to you, so how can you give it? You don't have it to give. You don't have it to give. So you give what you have. And then you help, you get, you know, a village or a aunts and all that kind of stuff to help. Nobody, nobody in this place who has a child that's extremely successful, you, you didn't raise that baby by yourself. Somebody helped you. Is there anybody in here, the bishop, a beneficiary of a big mama or a, a auntie or a godmama or somebody who helped your mama get the job done? You got to have help. You got to have help. You, you know, you've made millions of dollars. You've made millions of dollars. What if I was starting out. What if I was starting out? What would you tell me if I was just starting out? I would, I would say, number one, keep it simple. That's, that's something that as women we struggle with. We want to do what we call boiling the ocean, right? We want to do it all. We want to have a car wash in the front, fried chicken on Sundays, and a daycare in the back. Because they're all great businesses and all great ideas. But unfortunately, y'all know y'all laughing, but y'all know I'm keeping it real, right? But unfortunately, you don't have the focus you need to be able, we think that's multiple streams of income, but it's not. Multiple streams of income is finding your greatness and being great at that one thing, being extraordinarily great, doing your best to be, and, and not necessarily, because my greatness has nothing to do with Pastor Keon's greatness, has nothing to do with your great. My greatness was set aside for me. So we don't have to feel bad that we're great and somebody else may not be operating in their greatness. But we have to focus. What's the greatness? What's the purpose? What's the why? What's the reason? And do that one thing. And stop trying to be all over the place, doing these 50 different businesses. One day you're selling wraps, the next day you're selling eyelashes and makeup, and then you're selling coffee, and then you're drinking coffee to lose weight. I mean, which, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? And then you get mad when your friends and family don't support you, but they supported the first 45 businesses you had. And now you on number 46, they like, when is it gonna stop? When is it gonna stop? So you have to choose that one thing and don't let however big it is scare you. Choose the one thing, keep it simple, and be consistent. And be consistent. Work the one thing 
So you can't work that one thing anymore. I think she said something that you all need to write down, and it's a redefining of multiple streams of income. That multiple streams of income doesn't mean that you have a thousand different businesses. It means that the streams come out of one body of water. Every stream in America is inextricably connected to a body of water. That the daycare and the biscuit company and, I didn't mean to say biscuit, I meant to say, uh, who? No, I was thinking dessert. You know, people want to bake, bacon, bacon. I didn't mean to say biscuit, I meant to say bacon. Uh, not B-A-C-O-N not either. But to have all of these different businesses, every business has a learning curve. So what ends up happening is you never learn any of them. I give an example. Michael Jordan, does he have multiple streams of income? All of them come from a round orange thing. He sells shoes. He owns a basketball team. You see what I'm saying? Everything came from the one thing. Bill Gates, software, this kind of software, that kind of software, apps, computers, everything came from the one thing. And so you can be creative in the one thing. Uh, Tiger Woods tells the story about how he uh, was number one, number one in the world. Y'all remember when he was the best golfer in the world? Number one in the world, number one off the tee box, number one in the fairway, number one on the green. So that means when he hit the ball, he was number one. When the ball hit the fairway, he was number one. When the ball put, when he put it on the green, he was number one. But when it came to the sand trap, he was like 127. And they went and asked him and said, how can you be number one in the box, number one on the fairway, and number one on the green, and be 126 in the sand? He says, because if I stay number one in the tee box, and number one on the fairway, and number one on the green, I'll never have to go to the sand. And some of you all are practicing in the sand, but if you would just be great at what God calls you to do, you'd never be there. Does that make sense? So if, you, if you're going to train, train. If you're going to do hair, do hair. But don't just stop at the chair. Now, now figure out how you can get from behind the chair and open up business and then franchise it and have people paying you commission or booth rent. I'm just talking about how you can expand it from the one thing. And then from the one thing, now you go and get a, a contract with, with, with Paul Mitchell and now you sell his product in there. And then you, you see, from the one thing, are y'all here with me today or is this boring to you? We're trying to show you that destiny is the hardest, easiest thing in the world. This is the hardest thing you will ever do, but if you ever get started, it'll be the easiest thing. And the only thing that is keeping you from doing it is a four-letter word, and it is a cuss word. It's called fear. That, that's the worst four-letter word I've ever seen. You're afraid of failing, but let me tell you, if you don't try, you've already failed. And every moment you operate beneath the level of destiny God has for you, you are failing. And you're not going to get these years back. And I don't care how young you think you are, just because you say you're young don't mean it's going to stay that way. Listen to me, I'm not being funny. You can tell people you're 25 for the next 10 years if you want to. Ask your lungs if they're still 25. Ask your back if it's still 25. Ask your feet if it's still 25. Y'all laughing at me. Your skin might look good, but everything inside of you is aging. Elbow popping for no reason. Just pop. Knuckles cracking. Come on, talk to me. You, now you, gotta, you done had a crook in your neck for two months. Won't go nowhere. And I say to us, and I'm going to give you all some opportunity, to, I'm going to take some questions. This is the other thing I want to say to you women, because age is a big, big thing for women. You ask a woman her age, some of them will tell you, don't ask me how, you don't ask no woman how you are, but then there are some women say, ask me because I'm proud of it. Ask me because I'm proud of it. Listen to me, young ladies, look at me in my face. Y'all looking at me? You are not as young as you think you are. Look at me. Look at me, I'm serious. I, I'll say this to my own kids. You're not as young as you think you are. You're 25 and you're 30 and you think that's young because 
every time you get older, old changes. When you were 16, 30 was old. Now you're 30, talking about 30 to new 40. No, it ain't. 30, 30, baby. 30 is 30. When you get 40, you're going to say 40 is the new, no, it ain't. 40 is 40, cuz. Just because you look young doesn't mean anything. The Bible says he gives us 70 years and by grace another 10. If you are 35, you have lived half of your life. It is time to get serious. Nobody's coming to save you. You don't need a man to open the company. You don't need backing. You, don't, you just need to go out there and do it. And when you go out there and do it, I need every woman in here to shout, my gift will make room for me. If you start opening your mouth and negotiating the contracts and getting online and reading up on stuff and stop asking people for answers to things you can Google. How do you start a business? Google it. Are you listening to me, ladies? And I promise you, I promise you, you hear my words, that if you'll do it, it'll change the trajectory of your whole family. Most people don't know this, but in the black community, the wealth is really with the woman. The wealth is actually with the woman. Women live longer than us, and when men die, who do they leave the money to? You've got the wealth. Now you just got to have the mentality. This woman here came from the bottom and now she's sitting in front of you having spoken all over the world, has cashed millions of dollars in checks, walked away from a good safe job, all for her destiny and came to the lighthouse today to tell you one thing. If I could do it, you can do it too. Friends and colleagues, it's time to take action and subscribe to this podcast. Follow Kian Henderson on social media at Pastor Kian. Visit the website daily for lifestyle, leadership, and learning at kianhenderson.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep doing life.